TUC Radio, Time of Useful Consciousness. The War on Truth, Julian Assange with Yanis Varoufakis. DM25 goes live stream while London's High Court decides whether Julian Assange can be extradited to the US. DM25 is a pan-European progressive movement. They aim to democratize the EU before it disintegrates. DM25 met on February 20, 2024 to comment live on the court proceedings. Yanis Varoufakis, economics professor and acclaimed author, was Minister of Finance in 2015, negotiating on behalf of the Greek government during the debt crisis. The moderator is Miran Khalili. He's an advisor to DM25. Miran Khalili. Hello, 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 and welcome. I'm Miran Khalili. We are DM25, a radical political movement for Europe, and this is another live discussion with our coordinating team. And today we're looking at press freedom, and specifically at one of our original causes here at DM25, the fight for the release of Julian Assange. For newcomers, it's worth restating the key elements of Julian's story just quickly. He's a journalist who, over a decade ago, via his media outlet, WikiLeaks, uncovered evidence of the crimes of the United States, among other countries. This included proof of the massacre of civilians by the US military in Afghanistan and Iraq, of torture, of mass surveillance, and of widespread corruption, of a web of secret power, from the arms industry to security agreements to elections and beyond. And for this brave act of investigative journalism, Julian, the father of two small boys, has been held without trial in a maximum security prison in the UK for almost five years. He has not seen the sun since he was incarcerated, and he's been confined to a cell for 23 out of every 24 hours. Now, Julian's final appeal is going on as we speak at London's High Court. If he loses, he'll almost certainly be extradited to the US to face 175 years in prison. This would have huge implications for human rights and for press freedom around the world. And it would tell anyone who wants to seriously probe the actions of the powerful, better think again, because this is what could happen to you. Yet today, the radical transparency and subversive spirit of Julian Assange and WikiLeaks have never been more needed. We're living in a dangerous moment with a horrific war continuing in Ukraine, tens of thousands of civilians in Gaza being murdered, the far right on the rise, behind the scenes deals with fossil fuel companies suffocating our planet, everything we've been discussing in these live streams. But instead of a vibrant fourth estate, we have a largely compliant media whose idea of challenging power is officials say journalism and softball questions. So tonight we're asking, what does Julian's case mean? for the future of journalism, of democratic discourse, and of our understanding of what states and corporations do in the shadows. And how do these dynamics affect our ability to confront power and make informed decisions as a society? Our panel, including our own Yanis Varoufakis. Yanis, floor is yours. Well, thank you. Thank you to, it's wonderful to have you such go back. Um, the onus falls on me to play the role of quasi-journalist, just to remind our audience of what is at stake, of what exactly what's happening in London today and tomorrow. So 
Julian's lawyers are uh, appealing to the High Court in Britain. And they're appealing what? This is the second appeal. The first appeal, which was an appeal to grant Julian the right to argue his case in front of the High Court, has been already rejected. So this is a second and final appeal, an appeal over the lost appeal. If that is turned down, then the only flicker of hope that he will not be extradited is that the European Court of Human Rights is going to hear his case and overrule the British High Court. Now, there is no guarantee that the European Court of Human Rights would even hear the case or even consider the case. There is a small possibility that the European Court of Human Rights will step in. Moreover, even if it does, there is a very strong possibility that Britain will disregard the European Court of Human Rights because the present government in London, and especially the governing majority of the Tory party, of the Conservatives, are toying with the idea of removing the European Court of Human Rights from any kind of jurisdiction over the UK as part of Brexit. You will recall that the European Court of Human Rights is not part of the European Union. It's got nothing to do with the European Union. It's not the European Court. It's the European Court of Human Rights that belongs to the Council of Europe, which is much bigger than the EU. Britain has been a member from the beginning of the European Council and the European Court of Human Rights uh, and remains so after Brexit. But because this government of Rishi Sunak wants to uh, violate international law and uh, to send uh, asylum seekers to Rwanda without first processing their claims for asylum, they had already been discussing in London the possibility that the United Kingdom um, effectively severs its links with the European Court of Human Rights. To sum up, if we lose this case tomorrow and the High Court does not grant Julian the right to appeal, then the European Court of Human Rights is a very unsafe proposition. First, they may not want to know. And secondly, even if they want to hear the appeal and they decide in favor of Julian, it, there is a very strong possibility that London is simply going to say, we don't care what you say, European Court of Human Rights. Okay, I'm mentioning this in order to make clear what kind of um, significance this court case has. Now, on the actual arguments that Fitzgerald and the other lawyers on behalf of our team are putting to the judges of the High Court, uh, I've been monitoring what, what happened this morning. Uh, there were two main, main points of law that were being put forward by the legal team. Uh, and they both concern violations of um, the treaty between the United Kingdom and the United States regarding extradition. The first is a clear one. It's a self-evident one. The extradition treaty between the United Kingdom and the United States clearly excludes from the extradition process anyone who is being persecuted for political reasons. 
Now, if anybody has ever been persecuted for political reasons, <laughs> that's Julian Assange. Uh, the fact that they are masquerading this under the Espionage Act doesn't change the fact that um, Julian's persecution is fully and entirely political. Because if it was a matter of the printing of these particular or the uh, publication of these particular videos and texts and memoranda from within the military establishment in the United States, then they should have arrested everybody working for the New York Times and the Washington Post because they printed it, actually. So why are they not pursuing them? And they're pursuing Julian. Because it was Julian who made available these. He didn't extract these bits of information, this data, these videos, these texts, these uh, documents from anyone. He received them like the New York Times received them from Dan Ellsberg back in the early 1970s. So it is clear that Julian has done nothing, nothing which is outside the remit of journalism. And therefore, his persecution is nothing but political because of the embarrassment that he caused to the United States government. So that's the first argument that our lawyers are putting to the high court judges. The second concerns the death sentence, because the, the British have a policy of never extraditing to the United States anyone who is facing the death penalty. There have been murderers, convicted murderers, mur people who actually confessed to murder, who were not extradited to the United States. You know, people who were clearly criminals and murderers, whom the British authorities refused to extradite to the United States on the basis that they were facing the death sentence in the United States, a sentence which the, the British constitution, unwritten constitution, but constitution nevertheless prohibits. Uh, to go around, now the, the charges under the Espionage Act that have been laid against Julian clearly, clearly make it possible for him to be given a death sentence, clearly. What the American authorities did in order to circumvent that problem is they have given a kind of a guarantee commitment to the British courts that um, he will not be condemned to death. He will not be given the death sentence. However, if you read the fine print, it says unless he commits acts that warrant the death sentence. So this is the absurdity. Think of this. The United States security apparatus, which had planned and tried to implement his murder. So the people who planned and tried to implement his murder will be the ones that, according to the British justices, will be determining whether he has done something or he will do something that warrants them killing him. You only have to state this to realize the enormity of the hypocrisy and the toxicity of what is being discussed. Now, of course, even if they don't put him to the electric chair or inject him with uh, some lethal dose of something, the crucial issue is that 
they will murder him anyway, simply by throwing him into the high security supermax prison, this uh, particularly vicious form of solitary confinement. He's already in solitary confinement, but the, the difference between the solitary confinement in Belmarsh and the one that he will face in the United States is uh, night and day, just black and white. There is a huge difference. Uh, the, the supermax jail that he's going to be put into um, has been designed in order to destroy a human soul. I mean, I if, if you put me in there, I would have committed suicide. There's no doubt about that. Within a few days, I would find a way to kill myself. And you have to, to remember that Julian is uh, has been incarcerated for 13 years, the last five years in solitary confinement. Um, let us not forget also that um, he is in, on the spectrum of autism and a particular part of the spectrum of autism where sensory deprivation is um, a, a clear means of torturing, torturing him in a way that it wouldn't be torturing me or you. Uh, having said all that, and to wind down, it is not Julian who is on trial, as we speak. It is Britain's High Court, and it is the High Court judges that are being tried by public opinion, by history, by morality, by progressives around the world. Their decision will decide whether they will be found guilty gross violation of the principles of justice and speech, freedom of the press. If they deny Julian the right to appeal, and I would even go further, even if they grant that right to appeal and they don't give him bail so that he can get out of that hellhole in Belmarsh prison, which I visited a couple of times, uh, they will be issuing their own condemnation in the eyes of fair-minded, truly liberal people in the United Kingdom and around the world. Uh, and as um, Sergio indicated, who benefits really from Julian's slow murder, from his continued incarceration? Yes, of course, it is the national security establishment in the United States has been um, very hard done by. They've been very embarrassed by the revelations of the way they were killing people in Iraq and Afghanistan and all that. But in the end, the true beneficiaries of his incarceration and slow death are tyrants worldwide. Because, you know, what can you tell? How can anyone who supports the liberal establishment in the United Kingdom or in the United States or in the European Union accuse Putin of killing journalists, Navalny, whoever? All Putin has to do is turn around and say, yeah, but you're killing a man who did nothing wrong except to tell the truth about your murder, your murderous campaigns in Iraq and Afghanistan. Every tyrant in the world hides behind the fate of Julian Assange in order to justify their murderous deeds. This is why it is our duty to continue struggling uh, and never to forget that uh, even if he is released, we must continue the struggle. We must continue the struggle until the people who are today persecuting Julian, end up in prison. If these judges turn a blind eye to the facts of the case and do not grant him appeal, they must be prosecuted until the end of the days. We need to prosecute them and the war criminals that Julian has exposed because together they are complicit 
in uh, large-scale murder and the murder of freedom of the press, murder of freedom of expression. DiEM25 has had the privilege of having Julian Assange as its founding, co-founding members. Remember, he was at the Volksbühne on the 9th of February 2016. Uh, I think we should all feel very proud of that. Because let me remind you of something else. Today, I'm very pleased to see that almost all progressives are coming out in support of Julian Assange, not only progressives. In, it was wonderful that last week in the Australian Parliament, where there wasn't a single member of parliament a few years ago supporting Julian Assange, last week there was a very large majority in the Australian Parliament voting in favour of a petition, of a motion, to recommend, to, to demand the release of, uh, of Julian Assange. But back in 2016, when you and I were DM25, we're not only backing Julian Assange, but we had him there on the screen, if you remember the Fox Boone talking to us live from the Ecuadorian embassy. Back then, there were many so-called progressives, leftists, so-called feminists, who were taking us to task and demonizing us for letting Julian Assange, for giving Julian Assange Assange, a podium, an opening to present his case and presenting his, his views. Very few people between 2016 and 2020 uh, dared say anything in favor of Julian's case. I, I personally am not going to forget that they will always, always carry that burden around the necks. Because it just goes to show that the so-called left, the so-called so progressives, um, when it mattered, they dropped the ball. I'm glad they're back on board. I'm glad that Julian's case is now fashionable again. But we, DiEM25, never, never, never let the ball drop. We'd never... Uh, consider the political cost to us and to our movement from continuing to support Julian Assange because we are principled. It doesn't matter whether we lose or, or win. It doesn't matter if we wither into nothing or succeed into changing the world. Uh, people like Julian, for us, represent principled activism. And that's what we are. Thank you. I have a question on the maybe somebody can answer maybe Anas because I read that there is a possibility that he might uh might be able to go to Australia like is there a possibility that he might end up in Australia at the end of the story or is the support from Australia just like a yeah just a minor thing which might not have a, a huge impact thank you Juliana um Yanis, maybe I can bring you back in quickly just to respond to Juliana's question. Uh, yes, Juliana, look, well, there's been a change in Australia. The, the change is that <laughs> the previous Labour Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, when uh, we were struggling to get some sign of support from her, uh, disgraced herself by saying that Julian was, was getting what he deserved because he was um, a spy. And because he was, um, you know, um, hacker and whatever, she was terrible, terrible. Mm? Julia Gillard, the former Labour Prime Minister. This Labour Prime Minister 
uh, has come out in support of Julian. And he even promised to pressurize Biden to end the, the persecution. Unfortunately, uh, if he did, he did so in such a lukewarm way that it had no effect. Uh, and one can say, well, what could he do? Well, he could do a lot because you may have heard of the AUKUS Treaty, the Australian-UK-United States Treaty, which came into force or renegotiated about a year ago. Uh, Australia committed to spend tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars on American nuclear submarines. Uh, he could easily have slipped in a term, a condition that, you know, we are going to do that, but you, first you have to, to drop the persecution of Julian Assange. Of course, no Australian politician, no mainstream party Australian pol politician has the guts to do that. Okay, having said that, look, uh, I'll tell you what I, my, what my feeling is, my estimation is, Biden, he wants Julian Assange to be extradited because uh, he wants to satisfy the national security apparatus, cabal. He wants to throw him, throw him in a supermax jail. I don't know for how long, and try him in a kangaroo court because it's very important to know, for everyone to know, whether you are supporting Julian or not supporting Julian, what that court case will look like in the United States. It will be held behind closed doors, number one. Number two, now, take get what I'm going to say now because the human mind has difficulty wrapping itself around what I'm about to say. His lawyers... Not him. His lawyers will not even be told what the charges are and what the evidence is. Did you get that? Not only is there going to be no open court case where, you know, <laughs> under habeas corpus, you have the right to hear what you're being charged with. His lawyers will not hear what evidence there is to charge him. The one judge, no jury will hear directly from the CIA and the NSA, I don't know who else, what the evidence is, and the judge who is selected by that apparatus is going to decide. Now, Putin's courts are more fair than that and more liberal than that. I close the parenthesis. So the idea is to put him through this process, hold him in one of those disgusting cells, in a supermax jail to crash him completely as if he's not crashed already to convict him so that he has the label of convicted criminal on his forehead and then the best we can hope is that they will then extradite him to australia to serve the rest of his term 170 years but of course the australian government will take bring him out on bail and he can stay at home but not be able to travel anywhere i think that is the best we can hope if he's extradited to the United States, still, we want him out in any way or form. Let's hope that we stop the extradition from taking place. Thank you, Yanis. Judith, Judith Meyer from Berlin. Uh, thank you, Michal. So um, I, I have to agree with um, Ivana. The state of our um, media is uh, absolutely terrible. Um, especially here in Germany. Uh, I don't think that um, we can ascribe the whole problem to uh, lack of uh, whistleblowers. We don't know if they're whistleblowers. How would we know? Um, I believe that uh, also um, outlets have become 
uh, a lot, lot less likely to publish anything. Like uh, when Julian published uh, his documents, he had uh, outlets in Germany, in US, in France, and so on that published his um, documents. And now uh, our outlets are not even publishing like official information. Like the the ICJ, uh, the court day, um, the first day of of the court uh, hearing was not published was basically ignored uh, especially in in german media and um it's it's just a completely different playing field and we urgently need uh, more independent media and uh, to support independent media that might have the ability to become a place that uh, whistleblowers could trust and could turn to um so basically looking at the bigger picture uh, i believe that we will remember 2023 2024 as the years in which we learned that there is no international justice, no freedom of press, no human rights for anyone that the Western establishment doesn't like. But that doesn't mean that uh, these ideas are silly idealism. Uh, the invention of principles like the freedom of the press, uh, like human rights, and the idea that you could turn to an international court to get justice, uh, the invention of these ideas make our world a much better place than it was before. And this was the first step, the invention. The second step was to instill a sense in people worldwide that these principles are universal and should be followed. Uh, we also accomplished that. I think it's uh, widely, widely accepted now. The third step was to create international institutions. We also did this step. Now, the fourth step is the only step left is the fourth step, which is uh, to ensure that these institutions actually defend the principles that we need them to defend. But that is a much, much better than a situation than if we were still on step one. Um, so that's the fight now. And I think that this year everyone knows that this is the fight because a lot of the smoke and mirrors are disappearing very fast and we're getting a, a clear picture. So um, as Janis said, uh, absolutely, the world is watching these British judges. judges. Uh, it's watching the ICJ. It's watching the European Court of Human Rights, watching the journalists who are staying silent through this. And we will find a way to remove them from office if they fail to do their duty. That was Judith Meyer from Berlin, Germany. She's a linguist and author and has been working for DiEM25 since 2016. DiEM25 is a pan-European progressive movement. They aim to democratize the EU before it disintegrates. The recording you just heard the War on Truth, Julian Assange with Yanis Varoufakis, was streamed live on February 20, 2024, the first of two days when London's High Court met to decide whether Julian Assange can be extradited to the U.S. That hearing ended without a judgment, for which we will likely have to wait until mid-March 2024. In the meantime, the campaign for Assange's freedom grows. You can watch the full 58-minute video of the live stream on YouTube under the title The War on Truth, Julian Assange, Media and Global Discourse with Yanis Varoufakis and more. You can hear this program again for free on TUC Radio's website. TUCradio.org. Look at the newest programs or the podcast page. While you're there, 
you can subscribe to weekly free podcasts. Our email address is tuc at tucradio.org. TUC Radio takes its name from an aeronautical term. Time of useful consciousness is the time between the beginning of oxygen deficiency and the loss of consciousness, the brief moment in which a pilot may save the plane. My name is Maria Geleiden. Thank you for listening. Thank you.